This episode is brought to you by Affordable Drill Towers. Founded in 2016 by our good friend Steve Sanguidoce, a retired Houston, Texas firefighter, the Affordable Drill Tower was designed and built with functionality and versatility in mind for any training ground. As a standalone training tower and add-on to an existing burn building or connect setup, the Affordable Drill Tower packs a massive punch at an affordable price tag. With over 50 towers across the country, from Massachusetts to California, Montana to Texas, professionally engineered, NFPA and ISO compliant, the Affordable Drill Towers brings the versatility to your training ground. From Main Street USA, the small town fire company in their back parking lot, to the training grounds of the largest metropolitan fire academy, the Affordable Drill Tower fits the bill for price and functionality. Check them out at AffordableDrillTowers.com. And two things I like to talk about also when talking about our friends over at Affordable Drill Towers. One, their customized training program. They have the ability to bring some of the best talent from across the country to your home turf after the install of the Affordable Drill Tower. Designing a customized training program for you and your department, Steve will facilitate some of the biggest and brightest names of the American Fire Service to come in and work with you and your department. And secondly, and I think most important, is Steve's belief in need over greed. The affordable drill tower company gives back to not-for-profits that support organizations in the American Fire Service. Organizations such as the Joey D Foundation, which is near and dear to Steve Sanguidoche's heart, as well as many other not-for-profits that he takes a part of. He takes great pride in providing funding for organizations that push this job forward. So check them out. Steve and Dennis over at Affordable Drill Towers. Send them an email at info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Check them out on social media. And their YouTube page is kicking butt with great information, training nuggets, and information about their towers. So check them out, Affordable Drill Towers, and let them know Jeremy over at National Fire Radio sent you. This episode's brought to you by Ridgeway Leatherworks. Ridgeway Leatherworks is a firefighter-owned and operated business as well as a family-run business, and that's what I love about it. Rob and his family are passionate about their customer service and the quality product and craftsmanship they put out for the emergency services. Rob's been on the show. We've been to his his business. We've seen them in action. I've even tried to hand-paint radio straps. I promise you, it is not as easy as what the final outcome looks like. The product is so good, it's so clean and crisp, and yet, man, it takes that steady hand. Rob's become a near and dear friend of our podcast, and you hear that over and over when we talk about our sponsors, that they're friends, supporters, and that's what this networking community is all about, is supporting one another. Ridgeway Leatherworks, Rob Meyer, crushing it. Quality and craftsmanship is number one. Customer service is right there with it. From custom radio straps, universal radio holsters, chin straps, flashlight holders, anti-sway straps, and locker tags made out of leather, there's plenty of opportunity along the way when you deal with Ridgeway Leatherworks. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com. Find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And tell Rob you heard about him on the National Fire Radio platform and give them a little pluck and tell them keep up the good work we need to support our firefighter owned businesses and especially family run businesses where his two daughters and his wife help out day in and day out along with his other employees so again ridgeway leatherworks check them out at ridgewayleatherworks.com and find them on all your social media channels hey everyone jeremy national fire radio today 
I don't know. Today's just one of those days. I'm already laughing and smiling. This is a friend of mine, Corley Moore, the weekly scrap, Firehouse Vigilance. He's an author. He's a chief. He's everything that you want. He's a dreamy hunk of man. Corley, welcome to the show again, brother. I always, always enjoy talking to you. Brother, I am so excited to be back once more. And and right out the gate, uh, your judgment is suspect. But I love it. I absolutely love it. You are the number one hype man in the American Fire Service. And let me explain why. Your show, The Weekly Scrap, which is live and now, and I want to talk about this too, switching from Facebook to, to the publishing now on YouTube. And I want to talk about that a little bit because those are those decisions that podcasters and, and you know influencers like us, and I hate using that term, but we are, Right. right. We're influencing the fire service by bringing on some of the best talent out there and educating the fire service through today's means of social media. Right. So making that switch from Facebook to YouTube, I want to talk about that. But where I was headed with this was the number one hype man, meaning when you bring your guests on, you are all about building up your guests. You're like, yeah, man, I love that. What else? Talk to me more like you are. And then I watched you teach two years ago. I watched you do one of your classes. You and I uh, co moderated MC to the event, right? And right. you spoke, you you gave your class the one morning and you got up there and it was like, um, uh, and it was like Eye of the Tiger was playing and you're walking the stage and you're like, I love this job and you need to too. And this is what we need. And you were like this number one hype man. I'm sitting off to the side and I'm literally leaning forward in my chair. I'm like, look at this guy at eight o'clock in the morning, absolutely in love with the job screaming over eye of the tiger like it was the coolest moment man it's awesome I, where, where does all that come from like you have your show it, it is a grind man the amount of work that goes into it then the amount of travel you do the teaching you do making those connections keeping those relationships building new ones where does it all come from bro oh brother uh inspiration comes from everywhere. You know, I've talked to you about all the, all the impact that so many people sure. have had, but as far as the, I, I think that I'm just kind of a cheesy dude. And I mean that in a, <laughs> I mean it in the fact that I just, I really do feel like I like to say things that everybody's thinking, but everybody's afraid to say, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? They're like, man, if I, I say that out, if I say that out loud, everybody's going to think I'm a cornball. you know what I'm, you know, but no, everybody feels that way. I, and so, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm the guy that's like, but why? Like yeah. everybody's like, why do you, why does everybody have to ask why? And I'm like, but I'm always asking why, right. like, I might not say that loud, but everybody says it in their head. They're like, Corley Moore tells me this. And I'm sitting there going, why? And I even think when we teach, remember growing up in school and they're like, no question is a dumb right. question. Right. And right. if you have that question, I'm sure another kid in the classroom has the same question. So don't be afraid to ask it. But then when we do ask it, everybody's like, why do you got to say why? Why do you got to right. ask? Why do you got to ask? Yeah. But yeah. we all want to know. It's the incongruence, man. It's the incongruence. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. So I've been watching you um, like I always do. I watch everybody and I'm looking at social media. I'm bringing it up on my phone right now. What, what, how this conversation came to be again was you shot me a message a couple of weeks. So you and I talk very randomly, but it's right. like in the, the most weird time, but I need <laughs> to hear from you. And then all of a sudden, Corley Moore pops through. And I feel like I do that to you too, like randomly yeah. call you one day and be like, hey man, what's going on? You're like, oh my God, I was just thinking about you, talking about you, you know, like I love those moments and I love having those type of people in my life. Like it just yes. seems to happen. And you reached out and, and I posted a, I did a post with um with uh something that Bobby Eckert put out, who's been a guest on your show. 
And um, we talked about love the dude, love the fire dude. chiefs, fire chiefs, uh, limiting our ability to give our people their gear, SCBA, whatever to go training. Right. And like yes. people, people got torqued up over that. And I added to it and I just want to read the quote. Uh, let me bring it up here on my computer real quick. It says, Bobby Ecker put this, and this is how you and I are talking today because you and I hit on some of these topics. We're like, we got to start talking about this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Bobby Ecker put, we operate in a world where fire chiefs don't allow members to take SCBA for fire training. And then I piggybacked on that on social. And I said, I wonder why volunteerism is down, morale sucks, and no one is showing up anymore, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And then the next yeah. day, Corley Moore sends me a text message that says, bro, let's jump on a call and talk about this stuff. Right on. And I was like, let's do this, man. So I've noticed, too, that you are starting to, on your Firehouse Vigilance social media, you're starting to put some quotes up, which I love, right? Um, and I want to go through some of those. But let's talk about this whole thing first about holding our people back and not giving our people every tool they need to better themselves, which then betters our department. What are we doing, man? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? And what are your thoughts? But man, it, it it really has been cranking in my head. You know, my a thought gets stuck in there and just starts rattling around, bouncing around until you know, I'm processing, processing. And and the big question to me was always, um, why? Everybody's asking why is recruitment and retention down? What happened to the American Fire Service? Why is recruitment and retention down? Why you know we used to have two hundred people apply for this job. We used to have uh, volunteers coming out of our ears. Everybody used to love to give their time to it, but it's down. You know, and everybody's scratching their head wondering why, asking this why question, the why question we were just talking about. And it's a great question. But I think that like the things we're talking about here is just a symptom of the of the true problem uh, in the American fire service. And, and that and this is just my hypothesis. I can't yeah, back yeah. it up with, with data or anything like that. But <clears throat> absolutely, I feel like that. It is a all the symptoms are popping up and all the things we're seeing is because for the last, I say roughly 70 years. Okay. So I kind of, I kind of throw a dart at the, at the 1950s roughly. And this job has, it's baked into the cake that the greatest part of this job, and I, you know, the five questions for firefighters that I ask, what's the best job to have in the American fire service? One of the original five questions. And people would invariably like 75% of the time say company officer, company officer, hands down, best job to have in the American fire service. And 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 I, I would analyze why that was so, you know, it's it's span of control. Everybody you're in charge of and responsible for is directly, you know, we have a direct relationship with. It's phenomenal. But the problem is this, is that's true. It's the best job in the American Fire Service. So firefighters, generally speaking, this is generally broad brush, promote to company officer and then stop. And I say firefighters, people who love the job, people who are there to kick in doors, swing axes, drag hoses, uh, who who love the aspect of the hero shit we do and long story short when that happens for a period of 70 years who promotes to the positions above company officer generally speaking there are exceptions but generally speaking it's the non-firefighters it's the politicians it is the rule followers it's the rule makers it's the bean counters it's the insert whatever and that's no big deal when you're having tons of jobs you go through the war years because fires ultimately shake everything out but when you go into non-combat years, so to speak, we're not at war, and you extrapolate that over 40 years, then all of a sudden, and, and the system feeds itself. So the people that promote create the systems that promote people. And and then you have things like, you know, uh, people getting into positions of authority, ultimately five bugle, four bugle, that make decisions and put out policies 
that make absolutely no sense to firefighters. And they're scratching their head going, what, where did this rule come from? Why are we doing this? What, what? And it becomes the culture of the whole service. And then you look back and say, how did we get here? Why is recruitment and retention down? We forgot how great this job was, man. We, for, we, we started building fire office buildings instead of firehouses. We forgot that tradition matters and, and started chasing this uh, me first, safety first culture that has destroyed the fabric that is the American fire service. So anyway, that's my hypothesis. I love it. I want to piggyback on that. I want to, I want to rip this thing wide open. So I got a couple thoughts on it too. Right. And I agree with you on a, on a lot of, a lot of things there. What I find troubling though, we need our firefighters to promote and we have to light a fire under the best company officers to promote up past Lieutenant or captain. We need them in a car. We need them in the admin board. We need them making policy and guideline decisions because here's the problem. We could have the best company officer. You could have the best company, the best company officer, the best guy, man. He's the guy that sits in the seat, makes the decisions, lets his boys be his boys, lets the girls be the girls. Like just is admired on the job, retired 35 years as a crusty captain of rescue one, like all this great stuff. And he's influenced so many great people below him, laterally from him. But I need him to the next level. Yes. Because that's where things can change. You can only affect change in your span of control. When you're a company officer, you can only affect change for the most part from your company on down. When you become a battalion chief or a deputy chief or an assistant chief, your span of control gets bigger and grander on a different scale. You now have a seat at the table. Captains aren't sitting at the table with the admin making policy. It's just not happening, right? So no, you're absolutely. We, we need those working bosses to have a seat at the table. And if that requires them to promote to a battalion spot, then we need that. And the Absolutely. problem is, is nobody wants to deal with the bullshit and the minutia of what's happening on that level because it's gotten to that point with where you talk about where the people that are promoting into those positions are the people that don't want to go to fires. And that's, it, could you imagine walking, going to war and not having a general that's been in war? Yeah, I forget the quote, uh, man, mm, Epictetus. Yes, it, it, I, yeah, I, if we promote our, you know, if our... Yeah, yeah I, uh, I know what you, our, I know where you're going. The with warriors that, right? and the poets, yes, and... But it, but it's like, and I always make the analogy to Congress. You know, you get a young, fired up person that gets, says, "I'm going to get involved in public service," and they they run for office and they get they get uh, elected as a public official to go to to go to Washington and fix all the problems. You know what I'm saying? And they get there and they they're wildly ineffective because they can't get anything done because the system is right. just in place. And 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 you know they make movies about it and stuff where the system just chews you up and spits you out and that's 100%. what the american fire service hierarchy has become is this system that you can't get anything done so here's my conflict then on the other side right this is where self awareness comes in if you are one of those bean counters non energetic guy on the fire ground you're a slug you you you're skating through the system but you're promoting up quick for paycheck or on the volunteer side you just want to get up that power yeah. so you don't have to stretch a line or get dirty right. right whatever your goals are have some self-awareness that if you're holding a spot or in a position and you're going to hold other people back you're a piece of shit and what i need you to do is be self-aware and say i've put myself in this position because this is where i want to be 
and I'm I lack some credibility on the fire side. I lack some street smart uh, abilities that I just didn't get because I rushed my career or I wanted to get off the sure, streets quicker sure. than I should have. Those people exist. It's in it's in private sector. It's in the public sector. Everywhere. It's just, we're not going to weed that out. But those people need to be self-aware to know that their skill set and abilities might not rival the guy below him in a captain or lieutenant spot. And so get out of his way. Let those guys run those firegrounds the way that they need to be run. Let them instill into you. Let them work for you. You're now an administrator. You're a guy that's taking a seat. Then take a seat and let those that are working work. Don't hold them back. Oh, really? Oh, brother, I wish I, I, if we could, if we could, if we could even inculcate that in just a, a a small percentage that people could feel, I think it would turn turn the direction of the entire American fire service. But uh, the problem is you got them holding up, you know, this random book I'm picking up. Here's the book, buddy. You got to follow policy. This is the policy. When I, when I, when I show up on scene, I don't know what I'm doing, but I got a policy I can point at. And I don't know why you did X tactic there, but the policy clearly states this and you didn't follow it, you know, and they, and they destroy their, their decision makers, their aggressive, um, uh, firefighters. I, that's the term I use for it. True firefighters, people who love to take in the situation, make a decision and have a bias for action because a checklist, a policy is, is not a bias for action. I don't know why I'm holding up Lencioni's book. So I love Lencioni. So no, nothing personal. This is not, but- this <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. But yeah, so but here's the thing, right? If you're in a position that you have to arrive on a fire scene or show up at a firehouse and hold up a policy, I'm holding up my nine right. hours. We'll talk there about you go. Bit. If I gotta hold up a book of policies and I have to refer to the book, or if I'm on the fire ground, I need a flow chart to yeah. tell me Checklist. the next order of things to do, right? I understand check boxes, that's fine. I'm talking about something that tells you your job. Yeah, you shouldn't be in that spot. I'll tell you why. When we overcomplicate the system, I did a podcast the other day talking about the overcomplication of the American Fire Service, right? When we did that, or when we talked about that, this is part of the problem. When we have chiefs arriving and they need to be told off of a manual or a flow chart what, what and how the fireground's going to work, we failed. Yeah, we, no we doubt. Need people dialed in. We need people making decisions because they can make decisions from their brain not from a yeah. piece of paper. No. And I have no problem with flow charts and checklists. I don't. They have a, they serve a purpose. It's it's when it's when you got you have to know when that's no good and you got to make a decision regardless of what that says. You know what I'm saying? That can't run a fire ground. Right. I, 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 I always make the you know we need rules. We need rules and regulations. I'm not anti-SOP, I'm not. But rules and regulations exist like in football. You have to know how to score a touchdown. You have to know where the sidelines are, what first down is, et cetera. You have to have rules. Yeah, there's parameters, but, of course. Right. But but rules can't coach the team. Rules can't run the plays. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you're going to have a playbook, but then you're going to go out there and execute. You can't say, hey, it says here in the rule book you're going to get a first down every play, and you failed, so here's your write-up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do. I absolutely do, and that's the point, right? That's yeah. the point. And, and I think that the biggest thing is that self-awareness, right? There is a way yeah. where if, if we become more centered with our self-awareness and knowing our skill sets, what we're good, what we're not good at, where we belong, where we don't belong, and then we allow others to backfill in where you're not so strong, or you allow others to do their job and let them work because we have a system of trust in place, that's how the system works. And when there's a breakdown there, that's where we're struggling and that's where we're having problems. And unfortunately, it's happening more and more. I don't 
I don't want to believe that there's a breakdown in the American fire service. I still think that there are tremendous people out there. And in fact, I think there's oh, yeah. a resurgence of, of hustle and grind and blue collarness to this job that I think has been missing. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think there is a, a somewhat of a return to it. People are absolutely. flocking back to it. No, right? no. And I don't want my message yeah. that I'm, that I'm preaching right. there to ever take away from that. That's not my, my, my point is the direction uh, yeah. that the, the, how have we gotten here? Because we do have, I think the majority feels the way you feel like, and the way I feel, I really do. It's the people in authority that have risen up because of the naturally built in. They want to stop there. Like there's nothing greater. I'm, I'm being this from the bottom of my heart. And I never want this taken the wrong way. The senior man, the, the backstep firefighter that's put in 20 years, 30 years, and hasn't promoted for whatever reason. I don't ever want to be like, that's your fault that we're here because you didn't promote. There's so many reasons why awesome firefighters don't get to promote from timing to te un un you know, uh, testing procedures that, that weren't kind sure. to, you know, Absolutely. just a plethora of reasons why. And, and for a, for a person to stay plugged in and be an influence and invest in their people and still be an awesome senior man, there is, I don't ever want to take away from that and say, you know, but the problem is there's a lot of people who could, I've never, I'll put it this way. I've never met a senior man, a true senior man or woman, that wouldn't have made an awesome battalion chief or an awesome fire chief. Hundred percent. So, 100%. I, and that's yeah, and and that's admirable too. Like we still need those guys riding yes. the back step. There's no doubt. What we need though is a institution or department or company that allows for it. Yes. Um, and that is so. You know, I the the amount of travel I do, the amount of firehouses I go to, the guys that I meet, the guys that are, you know, on the pavement working day in and day out, and those conversations I have. A lot of the conversation, a lot of the conversation around the senior man are people that are like, I don't even know what one is. We don't have one. Right. And no, it's that, not that, an age fact. or experience. It's like their senior guy is just a guy, like, and he doesn't he doesn't take on that role, or yes. their fire company or department doesn't have a culture in which they value that. that. Embraces so, it and yeah. yeah, lifts it up. Yes. No, absolutely. It's just a person that's, Hey, I've been here 25 years and, and I'm, I'm about as plugged in as I was at year five. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah these new kids or, great, or less like, so sure. or less. So yeah, these guys handle the EMS runs. I just drive now. Right. And it's right. Like, there's such opportunity there. Oh, without a doubt. And it's like, again, I think it's because uh, the, the promotion, you know, the, the, the chiefs that are in place now don't value that. And, and it goes right back to your self-awareness. I think a lot of it ties into they're threatened by people who are better at the job than them. So they downplay, but it's not about experience. It's about this right here on my collar. It's about these bugles right here. Uh, and, and so it's not that explicit, but if you stretch it out over 50 years, all of a sudden that's just the reality. Yeah. hundred percent. It's, it's, I don't want to say microaggressions. It's these micro transgressions. For it all through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and now we're here going, how come we don't value senior men? How come we have no senior, uh, just the true senior firefighter, mm. you know? Mm. And it's it's endemic and systemic for that long, and that's now we're just dealing with the symptoms. You know what I love? I, so I'm a product <clears throat> of the Northeast, right? So there's okay. a lot of history here, a lot of oh, yeah. oh, yeah. things run deep, right? Culture runs deep here. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a student of that. I love the relationship and this goes hand in hand with the senior man, right. And, and the trust and relationships and self-awareness, all of it. I love the relationship between chauffeur and boss. I love the relationship between chief and chief's aide. And the reason why I bring up the Northeast is a lot of departments have chief's aides. A lot of, right, other, right. a lot of other areas in the country do not. 
right? right. Chiefs are running by themselves. But here, a lot of times in these older inner cities here, the Chiefs will have an aide. They drive. They take care of all the, you know, a lot of the command presence on the fire ground. They're, they're mobile on the fire ground. They're reporting back to the command post. They're, they're you know, the, the level of trust between those positions are just I don't even know how to put it into words. Right. And, yes. and um, I remember talking with um, a friend of mine who's a chief in a, in a, in a pretty very, very busy city in new England. And he was talking about the relationship with he and his driver and his aide. And um, he's, he's like, we've gotten to the point over the years that there's this unspoken trust in one another that if he looks at me, I know that we need to do this. If I look at him, he knows he needs to go do this. And he, and it, and it's that relationship. But you know what? The only way a relationship like that can work is when there's a mutual trust. Yes. We need to trust our people. We need to trust the guy across from us. I need to trust the boss. I need to trust the chauffeur. I need to trust the chief. And trust becomes very troubling when somebody violates it or is spewing oh. bullshit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Brother, there's so much to unpack in that. Cause, cause so unpack it. Uh, relationships. Right. Um, and I think this is endemic of society, not just the fire service. So we're, you know, uh, of course we're a microcosm of society, but uh, we, we, we don't value, I, I hate saying these absolute statements, but roll with me. Uh, we don't value relationships the way that we, I don't want to say used to, but relationships don't have the same value that they used to in the fire service or in society. We have these pseudo relationships created by social media. You know what I'm saying? But but without a relationship, you can't build trust. You know, I'm working on this 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 class that is what is a re- someone asked a question the other day. So I'm I'm all over the place here as I ping pong. Follow my no, brain. No, go go. Uh, asked a question the other day. They said, "What? Uh, I know that." leadership is about forming relationships. If I want to be influential, I need to form relationships. He goes, but I work with people that I don't want to be friends with. Right. And I was like, Whoa, that's a pretty, that's, that's a pretty good way of stating it. And I'm like, what is that? Cause I believe in relationships. I believe relationships are the foundation of leadership uh, or influence at least. Uh, but without going into a big long class on it. But uh, so I, I was trying to unpack that and say, what, what, what does that look like if you don't even want to be friends with them? And I realized that a relationship doesn't mean that you're friends. It means you have a relationship. So then I really right. started breaking down what is this, and so it really is about spending time together, and then that, and then of course you get into Brene Brown and and the seven the seven aspects of trust and what causes them to form and things like that. But when you have two people or more that spend time together, i.e., a firehouse, then they're going to form a relationship of some sort. Now, whether the trust forms or not is really the key to whether it's a healthy or a toxic relationship, right? And so anyway. A lot there, but it's that the key word, like you said, is that trust and being able to to build that trust so that you can have that relationship where I can look at you. And we're looking at the same fire scene and you already know what I'm thinking. There's yeah. So that's next level, right? The chief's aide, the chief, right? The chauffeur, the boss. But even the guys sitting in the back seat, you bring up a very good point. Like, you know, there are plenty of guys in my firehouse that I don't need to have dinner with. Right. You know I mean, that I don't I don't need to invite over for my daughter's bar mitzvah, which I don't even know if girls have bar mitzvahs bar and, and I'm not Jewish, but just right. throw it out of the there's bag. our right? ignorance like, of the different whatever, ones. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like the whole point of that whole point of that, right. Was to get a smile, but the whole point of it was you don't always, you know, we, we have company events and everybody's welcome. We have departmental events and everybody's welcome, but it doesn't mean when you have celebrating Christmas Eve at your house, that you're inviting every single guy from your firehouse, you're inviting right. one or two or four people that are close to you because 
your values are similar, your beliefs are similar, you share a lot of things in common, and you become friendly to the point where you like the person. Right. And and that's important. But it doesn't mean that I can't trust the other guy that's not at my house on right. Christmas Eve on the fire apparatus. I have to trust his firefighting game, and that is done through his demeanor, his work ethic, right? And everything else that I've witnessed while I sit across from him. And we can share a laugh or we can butt heads, but there still needs to be that mutual trust between one another that the job is going to get done in the way that it's supposed to be getting done. Absolutely. And and through shared hardship, shared struggle on the, on the training ground, shared yeah. struggle on the fire ground or on the emergency scene, you know, and, and building that trust and that relationship. This episode is brought to you by the Affordable Standpipe Prop. Let's break it down real quick. Steve and the crew at Affordable Drill Towers is doing it again. They've created this fully custom and fabricated standpipe prop to support the fire service. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing piece of training equipment. And I want to hop into it real quick. It is designed with a four-inch manifold of high-strength galvanized Schedule 10 pipe. The carton manifold are powder-coated red for a durable finish, meaning it's not just a talking piece. It's not something you tuck away on the shelf. This is a training prop that can be wheeled into the classroom and then brought out onto the training ground. And so let's talk about that. In the classroom, there's nothing better than having a hands-on prop in front of the students, in front of the fire companies that are there to learn about standpipe and FDC connections. Having that prop in the classroom allows for a great instructional lecture. And then from there, take the standpipe theory and translate it to the training grounds. You could wheel the cart out that's on casters. You wheel it out into the parking lot. And that same training prop that you just used hands-on in the classroom can now be used hands-on on the training ground by pumping into it and flowing out of it. It offers such versatility in its approach. It has a two and a half inch Siamese connection, seven two and a half inch outlets, six of which are standpipe valves, has a water motor gong, sprinkler head with a control valve, and a system pressure gauge. You can also upgrade and put three of the most common field adjustable PRVs. I'm telling you right now, this is a game changing training prop that needs to be in every fire company or training department across the country. Reach out to Steve and the crew, info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Ask for a demo, ask for information, or check them out on social media and YouTube. There's plenty of content out there that shows you exactly what the affordable standpipe prop can do for you. This episode's brought to you by Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew at Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 tins in the market, they are a leader in the helmet front space. Custom design, one-offs to department orders, they can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on and they provide nothing but top shelf product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform. And Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. And at checkout, for a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. So let me ask you this then, because what I found in the last almost six years now, five and a half, six years with National Fire Radio, I have developed some of the best friendships ever in those last five to six years. Um, Just I have found 
people that share unbelievable passion like I do in a lot of different ways. Um, a lot of it, obviously, around the fire service. But what I find is people that are really dialed in and people that I hold close today, I didn't even know them five years ago, and they are some of my best friends yes. today. Are you finding the same since starting Firehouse Vigilance? and, and Oh, brother. Scrap? The, the scrap specifically, uh, mm. you know, because Firehouse Vigilance was a blog at first. I started the yeah. blog when blogs were dying. But um, uh, the scrap specifically, I get to spend, you know, it's live and it's with the audience. But me and that person get to spend an hour to two hours sure. just 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 BS and back and forth about fire stuff. And and usually right in their wheelhouse, their passion as I get to as I get to yeah, ask right. the, the questions that dig in. And it, it's so it's so awesome the the bond that forms because you become like literally just like like stepbrothers did we just become best friends yep you know what i'm saying and it's it's you're not actually friends it's this weird bond and then what really is i've discovered is cool is you know like i had a question on ventilation and i, I don't even remember what it was i was working on an sop or, or a policy or something or whatever it was for our department and i'm like ventilation i'm gonna call nicholas pop up because he'd just been on the scrap you know a few weeks before yeah and so had his number so i called him up and it's like we just picked up right where the, the scrap left off and he answered my questions was like, no, I think this, 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 and this, and whatever it was. I don't remember the specifics of it, but A, the fire service is full of great men and women, like great people, yeah, human being, human beings. Yeah. So when you, when you have a relationship with a great human being, you pick up the phone and call them. It's like, just like me and you, our sporadic phone calls. It's like every time, it's like we just talked last yesterday. They mean every the world time. to me too. Like the value oh. I put on that conversation, whether it's 30 seconds or 20 minutes, I put tremendous value on that. And actually when I hang up with guys like you and people that, you know, I touch base with like that in a, in a random way, I, when I hang up the phone, I'm always smiling. You yeah. Know I mean? No, that's I, the best part. Yeah. Like that's yeah, a but good, I mean, yeah. but you personally, I mean, you make these relationships with all these guys on the show and even the people, your regulars that are in your feed and, and making comments yes. and sending you emails and DMS and all that. Right. Cause I live that life too. Right. I get that. But personally, have you developed some really strong bonds? Oh yeah. Of, yeah. Oh and yeah. The inner. Yes. That's the thing for me. It's like, it's one thing to find like-minded guys that like you love talking shop with and I can ask and call him and this and that. But I have found some of my very best friends because of this now. Yes. Dude. Uh, yeah, without a doubt, man. I don't want to sit here and but yes. Stories of like my me, we went on vacation and, and I came up to New York and and but uh, I went on vacation in New York City. My wife planned the whole thing. And uh one of the people that I've met through the scrap and through teaching uh has become one of my best friends, basically gave me a tour of his city, New York mm -hmm. City. It was phenomenal. Yeah. I like, I could not have, could not have happened without that. You know right. what I'm saying? Yes. And then, and then I get to work on editing his book that's going to come out soon. And it's, and it's just this phenomenal, it's relationship, it's friendship and it all, ha yes. I, <laughs> did you ever, great. did you ever think when you started this, that it would go down that road, that your life, because I look at it this way, I have changed as a person because oh, yeah. of what I'm doing. Um, and what the crew does and, and what we're able to do. I mean, I have changed. I, I'm a totally different guy than I was five, six years ago. And that was not something that I could have ever expected when we started. I think that, uh, I think me and you share this, and I think we've talked about it before, is we love doing uh, stuff. And I, I, it's not like I love doing podcasts or I love writing books or I love teach. We love doing stuff that is effective. Mm. You know what I'm saying? 
Like if it's effective, I want to do more of it, you know, and, and I'm not saying I'm just chasing anything that's effective, but whenever the scrap started being effective or successful, whatever term you want to put on it, I'm like, no, more of that. I want to do more of that, you know? And, oh, the, and I, it's hard to explain because it's a cause and effect, but it's a, also a cart and a horse, but they switch places, you know, over time. Oh, I get it. And yeah. And, and one thing I'll say is like national fire radio, um, not to to blow up and and say no compliments, but for, I want to I want to segue back to what we were talking about earlier. I think one of the reasons for its massive uh, influence and success is that everybody feels the way you you embrace the culture, tradition, and heritage of the fire service, and the innovation, the technology, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, and and you put it out there and say and that and it, people want that. So I wanted to say that earlier. So I don't know uh, my squirrel brain went back on that and. Uh, the point you. there, the point there. But what I'm saying is you had massive, it resonated. I hate the, I hate to say you had massive success, but it resonated and, and very successful, right? In our, in our fire sphere. And I that's have, a good thing, but that effectiveness makes you want to do more of it. Oh, and then, and then it, it becomes more effective because yeah, you're good at it. It's that return, right? It's, yeah. Man, it's like, uh, you know, it's like stretching a line and you got a room, couple of rooms off and you're making that push and you hit the first room. It's time to time to move on to the second room, right? You're pushing down and everybody's working well together. Water's water's being applied correctly. Things are happening. You're seeing you're affecting a, a different outcome. Things are things are progressing on the fire ground. And that's exciting to watch it all come together, right? It's the oh. same with this. It's like when you when you make some progress and you see the return. Yeah. Yeah. It only fuels you more to do more. Do more. I am, I am, um, thank you for your kind words, first off. Absolutely. Absolutely. You and I, you and I, well deserved. Well deserved. It's so ridiculous. A little, (laughs) a little, a little, uh, a little candidness for the audience that's listening, right? It's funny because when you and I get on the phone, it's the first five minutes of like hyping one another up. Great job on this. You're doing great. Oh, you're doing great. And then today we we started that. And I finally said to you, I go, all right, we're, we're done doing this. Like, let's, let's move on and talk shop. But it's important too, Jeremy. I wish I was half the podcast host that you are. Oh, stop. Jesus Christ. Okay. You're okay. out of your mind. You're out of your mind. But you are incredibly handsome. So, you know, and, and it <laughs> keeps going. It just right. keeps going. Right. Okay. We'll quit. <clears throat> I will I will say this. Um, I need conversations like this, and that's that selfish part that I talk about. Yes. Um, I need to have my conversation with Corley more. And like for me, the whole podcast thing was I would be having these conversations anyway. Why am I not sharing them? They're infectious. Ooh. Yeah, that's beautiful. Right. You you and I would you and I, I mean, we've met because of our platforms, right? Well, who knows? We might have, if it wasn't Corley, it could be Jorley. It could be Morley. It could be some other guy that I, right. right? And it's like, you have great conversations with them. And I'm like, man, when I get off the phone with this guy, I feel good. Like he's, he's like asking how I'm doing. I'm telling him about great things. I'm telling him some lows, telling him the highs. He's telling me the same. It's a, it's a back and forth. It's a friendship. It's a companionship. It's a, a brotherhood thing. And I go, man, if I'm feeling good after this call, Imagine being a fly on the wall and just and just hearing a great conversation. And I said, man, why we got to record this? Like, so this is that selfish part of me. It's like, I need this call today with you. I'm flying high right now. And and that's important to me. But, man, if I can share that same feeling that I'm having right now in this conversation, I feel great because of this conversation. If I think 
if I think it can help somebody else, that's where we win. No, brother. I think you just put your finger on the pulse of the whole, like the reason you're so successful. And, and again, I hate, like, it's not a compliment. I think this is analytical, analytical is because the mission of national fire radio, I really believe this was just to bring value it was. For, to, to the, to the fire service. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't to get Jeremy Donch known. It wasn't to wow. blow up. It wasn't any, it was, holy crap, people will find value in this. And, and they do. Let's have a conversation. Like, I, I'm so tired of the bullshit talk. I want real conversation. I want real stories. I want, I don't want, my biggest thing is when somebody's like, oh, well, you know, uh, you can't do that because of this. And I go, says who? Right. Where did you hear that? What What NFPA, or what NFPA uh, statute are you speaking about? Yeah, quoting here. I'm like, let's break this down because there's so much bullshit in the pipe. That like I I get very frustrated with that. And when and a lot of times when you're talking with somebody and they come off in an emotional state in a in a conversation, it's already out the window, right? right. They're, they're too jacked up over it because they're too involved. Absolutely. And it's not black and white anymore. It's very gray. And when we have gray conversations, that's where nobody wins and that's when feelings are hurt. And that's why we can't talk anymore. Oh, dude. Yeah. Corley yeah. Moore and I should be able to argue. And then walk away from the argument with still a mutual respect for one another. He's got his point of view. I have mine. We took emotion out of it. There it is. Right? Emotions. I Ramagus quote. So I don't know if it's his quote, but I took it from him. Emotions are the enemies of fact. Oh, that's and, good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Once that once you get emotional about it, then then you're no longer even in the realm of logic or able to make a point or hear a point. And that's and, it, man. Yeah. And and that's the thing. And like, and then what what's important to me is life gets translated to the fire ground translated mm -hmm. to the firehouse. And so oh, yeah. if you're getting emotional over your politics or you're getting emotional over the school board, because they, there's a mask mandate and you're going to freak out over it. Right. Then you're going to freak out at work or in the volunteer firehouse when you're told to do something, because you're going to make it emotional. Yes. Yes. Got it. And go ahead. No, it's, it's the whole deal of being right versus being effective. Yeah. And emotions, you know, emotionally, you want to be right. I'm right, damn it. But I'm right, you know, and, and I find this one of my mantras. My guys get tired of hearing us like, are you being right? Or are you being effective? Oh, like because they're, they're not always the same being right. You know, like you're married and, you know, sometimes you can be absolutely right and still end up sleeping on the couch. And that's not very effective. You know what I'm saying? And that's not to say just lay down and take it or anything like that or not fight for what you believe. That's not my point. Just understand the difference between being right and being effective because because there's so many times we'll cut off our nose just to spite our face i love when there's moments in the podcast where i'm like man what am i going to call this episode right like i right. love being, like trying to find like what i want to call it that's it right there being right versus being effective nice oh i, I like love that, it bro i just time stamped it drew an arrow circled underlined starred so that's good let's do this i want to keep going I, I yeah, yeah. Get, i'm trying to get you fired up even more so let's go back to <laughs> let's go back to this firehouse vigilance here. I'm going to read you some of your quotes you've been putting up. You're starting to do uh, you're starting to do some self videos of you talking and ranting, yes. which I love. We need more of that. Um, if you don't listen to your people, they will quit talking to you. Oof. Yeah. No. This ties right into your self awareness uh, that you brought up your point about self-awareness earlier, man, leaders. I don't, I don't understand 
Um, you know, I sit in, uh, I travel a lot. I mean, I get to sit in a lot of meetings with, not 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 formal meetings, just I get to observe a lot of organizations, uh-huh. and it's and it, and it's crazy, especially as a as a neutral observer who loves human nature to begin with and human psychology, right? To be the fly on the wall in an organization that I'm heavily invested in the same type of organization. Does that make sense? So yeah. I understand the the dynamics, and to see a person in authority just completely being the emperor, completely butt ass naked in front of his people and all of his people afraid to say, chief, you're naked, you know, whatever the conversation where they're talking about. And you can, it's painfully obvious from the outside looking in. And you want to say, you do realize that like all six of the, your command staff here disagree with you, but they're afraid to say so. It's incredible. And no, it's insane. It's, it's everywhere. And it's not just the fire service. I mean, this is, this is a, the, yeah, this is toxic leadership. When you, when you quit listening And it doesn't mean doing everything that your subordinates want. That's not the point. It's taking, I think Colin Powell's quote is uh, loyalty, and I'm going to butcher his quote, but loyalty is my boss listening to what I have to say about the decision. And then once the decision is made, I go with it no matter if I agree or not, right? But they have to listen to my input. And I I butchered that quote, but the spirit of it is there. You ready? So I'm I'm looking at your post, right? Sorry. sorry. (laughs) And and a guy guy put a, a quote from Colin Powell right in it. And then you said underneath, you're like, damn, I love that. The day soldiers stop bringing you their problems is the day you have stopped leading them. They have either lost confidence that you can help them or concluded that you do not care. Either case is a failure of leadership. Colin Powell. Yeah, it's Alex, Alex Marin, A. Marin, I believe that Instagram yeah, account. Right. Dude, a hell of a company officer. Uh, and and he posted that. And I, I actually talked. His dad was a full bird. I want to say full bird colonel in the air force and stuff. Okay. And he has a, he has a very awesome background and, but I've never heard that quote before, but how beautiful is that quote? Dead on. I mean, yeah. Failure of leadership. Bullseye. You, you failed when your people quit bringing you problems, you have failed. And, and again, back to your self-awareness, how many leaders even realize they're failing their people because they, they think they're doing fine. Cause no problems are coming to their desk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the other thing too, you mentioned here and your one liner on that quote on that post, which I love too, it goes a little bit in a different angle too. It says when your go-getters get silent, it's a dangerous warning sign. Why, when, when you have excitable people, when you have mm. your go-getters, guys that take initiative, guys that do it without being told and all of a sudden their attitude is changing. They're not that go-getter anymore. They're not hustling anymore. They seem more reserved, taken back. Yes. They're not the presence they used to be. We got a job to do. We either need Absolutely. to find out what's happening personally with them because there's something and we need to check on our brothers or two as a boss, for sure. You need to look at that and go, are my policies, procedures, or is the environment creating this? And therefore we need to make a change. The last thing we want to do is to have sheep. That's it. That's it, man. Uh, I think the, the, the biggest part of, especially a go-getter, man, people come in fired up and usually it's, it's, they're fired up, not just as a firefighter in all aspects of life, right? Like, uh, they're, they're, they're doers and, but they have a finite amount of, of fuel, which is their soul. I don't know a better name to put on it, but it's their drive, their soul, their, whatever it is. And what happens is organizations tend to take advantage of doers. They, they tend to pile on. It's that competency that, that breeds more duties, you know what I'm saying? And responsibilities. And so they pile onto those doers. 
And but the biggest the, the biggest part is when they don't um when they lose how what's the best way to say it? Basically, when they're not it's not even about appreciation. That's not what I'm going for, but it's when they're not valued, then they start to it starts to eat up their that that soul, that drive, yeah. that motivation. Absolutely. Until they are burnout. You know, everybody calls it burnout, but you don't start as just a a, a a worthless person and then get burnt out and become a terrible medic, terrible firefighter. You know, some of them are the most driven, highly motivated people in the world who have who just been burnt up by the organization and got nothing left to give because they weren't reinvested in, weren't recharged, weren't, and and, and they're just trying to survive in a toxic atmosphere. How do we not? Boost up our people when they walk in that door. Like, if you think about this, I, so I got a story I want to share, but I, I want to say is this. The new kid comes in the firehouse. He's nervous as shit. Right. He's so excitable. He's ready to go. He just wants to go. He wants to go to a fire. He wants to learn what it's all about. He's got a, a career in front of him. He's got volunteer the rest of his life in front of him. Whatever fire company he's walking in that door, he's excited to be there. And then you just shit on him. Yep. And you yep. take the level of excitement that he has and you're like, it's almost like, relax, kid. You don't need to be like this. We you know? get paid the same whether we go to a I, job or not. Oh, my God. And it's just, it pisses me off. I'll give you a story. So one of go. my first fires as a, as a nozzle man was a room of contents fires, uh, two and a half story wood frame. It had like a hundred foot setback from the road. Chauffeur parked perfectly. We stretched the cross lay. We weren't pulling off the rear at the time. We were a cross lay department at the time. This is almost 30 years ago. Okay. Fire out two windows, kneel down, mask up, line goes in, charge the line. We're going up the stairs. Good visibility on the first floor. Make the stairs. We get the second floor landing. It's going to be the second bedroom on the left. We make the landing, smoke down to the floor, zero visibility, but you got a good roll. It's already out the two windows. So it was just like picture perfect, easy push, fires out. I mean, literally like a 90-second nozzle job. Right, right, right. It was one of my first nozzle jobs. Right on. We come out, and it's like 5.30 in the morning, right? So fire is out, right? We're picking up two hours later. We're already, like, ready to go home. It was just a room of contents, minor exposure, you know, minor extension. I remember we're packing hose, and I'm fucking flying high. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this guy's like, hey, Jeremy, it's 5.30 in the morning, man. You want to keep it down a little bit? I just looked at him and I'm like, I'm, I went from like six to midnight, bro. And I yeah. was like, now you just want me to turn it off. I'm like, why aren't you like, Hey, Jeremy, yes. tell me about what it was like, man. Your first time. Yeah. Like, what, what, like, why aren't we doing that? Why, why is it cool? Quote unquote, cool to knock the guy down instead of build him up. Oh, dude, if you, if you please figure the answer to that, I'm not trying to dodge the, we'll I know, it, I know. I, but if you figure point. that out, if you figure that out, man, we'll write the book. I'll co-author it. We'll be millionaires together. Cause that'll, I'm trying, I'm trying at every breath. And listen, I'm guilty of it too. There, don't get sure. me wrong. In 30 years in a fire service, I'm sure I've done my share of damage to people making comments or whatever. I'm not perfect. I am a lot more conscious of it today. And National Fire Radio holds me a hell of a lot more accountable today right. about my presence and who I am and how I act and how I carry myself and how I treat people. I promise you, I'm more accountable than ever for it now. But I right remember, right I just on. told that story. That was almost 30 years ago, and I'm still fired up over it. It was a memory in my oh, fire service. Yes. And, it, and not only that, but <clears throat> that 30-second conversation after the fact still resonates with me, too. And I'm like, man, this guy 
tried to take that away from me. Right. I'm not going to let that happen. But you know how many people let that happen? Oh yeah, it's it's endemic in, in the it's systemic. Um, the uh, I think the loss of mission focus is really really, and again it ties back to who's promoting and who's keeping us on mission focus. And I think it is the loss of mission focus, because, and I hate, uh, I don't want to I don't want to be taken out of context or anything like that. But the all hazards approach has destroyed the the mm. backbone of the fire service. You know we we have to have hazmat specialists. We need to be ready for rescues and EMS BS band-aid calls are destroying the morale of the american fire service and that's plain and simple i'll say that all day long ems band-aid alpha bravo calls are destroying a our our, our rigs because they're not designed to run that way and b um and it and it's showing especially with the modern emissions guidelines and def and everything else that's done that they're not designed to to put, roll out of the station go high speed for 30 seconds and then shut down and then come back and and sit they're designed to go over the 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 highways i'm getting on another ramp so no, but you're you're 100 right in a way right this is the two very different things here right right the, the spirit culture side and then it's the operational side but the thing is this right the operational side has changed dramatically most departments not have not changed with it or they're not being proactive in their change they're addressing change when they have to and i think that's what's failing our system in some ways, right? Like if we're always reacting and not being able to have a plan, now I get it. Funding has a lot to do with it, obviously, right? And so on. But when we can plan and and operationally uh, be able to put together a plan that represents the very best of how to deal with that, instead of just knee-jerk reactions, like, ah, oh, we're just going to start sending engine companies on that. We're going to start right, doing this. Right. We're going to... I I find that when... When there's a better a, a better plan, there's more buy-in. Yeah. No, without and that, clarity, without vision. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Buy-in is in the toilet. You are much more poetic than I am, brother, with your words. But that is exactly <laughs> it. That, that is no, it, it is. It is. Loss of mission focus, plain and simple. Loss of clarity of our mission. Like, if you take victims out of the equation, fire victims out of the equation, we don't need bunker gear or SCBAs. Like, that's the reason they exist. That's the reason we have them. And... You lose sight of that, and and that's why we're where we're at, and 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 it, it's it, again, it goes back to your guy that was obviously burnout on some level when he's like, "Hey, Jeremy, keep it down," you know, or like my story uh, of riding it with an old thirty-year guy on the day off mowing yards, and he said, "Why do you want to be a fireman?" I was brand new, and I was like, "I've always wanted to be a fireman, sir." He's like, "Oh, you're one of those," and I'm like. <laughs> You're I was still, like, no, I'm not one of those. I don't mean that. You know, and it, I still remember that to this day. And you are one of those. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely. All these years later. <laughs> right. But well, at yeah. the time, it was, the, it was that culture, that yeah. culture. And that's a, yeah. loss of, a loss of how important that fire you just made was. That guy had lost sight of how important that was. And so that's why he didn't make a big deal about it. Um, anyway, yeah. And, and that's on the individual level, let alone the systemic level or the the, 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 the administration level or the the i don't know the right word to use you yeah <laughs> let me ask you let me ask you this then kind of piggybacking what i was saying and of, of course what you're talking about too the weekly scrap for you your firehouse vigilance your creed all of that right right how much has that affected you in the job itself and are you a better fireman chief today because of it 
Oh, absolutely. There's no, that, that is crystal clear. Absolutely. No doubt. Cause, and, and a lot of, and you know, most of my story, I was not always plugged in. I was right. a product of my environment very much. In fact, 2000, probably 16 was really the, the start of my turnaround of going from a lackadaisical. Uh, I always loved fire. I always loved going to fires and, and being badass on a nozzle or, you know, kicking indoors, et cetera, et cetera. Proverbially speaking. Um, <laughs> always loved the idea of being a badass fire, but uh, I did not appreciate the job. I did not love the job, you know, and it, and it's things like you, Mark Von Oppen, um, uh, Fit to Fight Fire, John Spira, you know, all these different things that kind of changed my mindset. Now, once I started uh, uh, doing it, putting myself out there and saying the yeah. things out loud that I think everybody's thinking, uh, now all of a sudden there's an accountability level that that yeah. exists. Uh, it's crazy. Like as a battalion chief, if I, one of my things that I told myself when I became battalion is if I see a, one of my crews training, and I am there observing, you know, for whatever reason, then I'm going to have my gear on right. and I'm going to go out there. And I may not, I, I never want to send the message that I'm crowding out what they got going on, but I'm right there with them in the gear, same gear that they're in and and a part of it. And, and that's an accountability thing in my head. So no, you can't go live once a week and talk about these things and then yeah. show up at your house. And uh, now am I the, am I, as consistent as I want to be, no. Are there guys that could point out the inconsistencies? Probably, you know, absolutely. I'm a human 100%. being. And I, My yeah. own guys probably hate me. You know what I mean? They're like, this guy's <laughs> this guy's full of shit. I've seen him do this. I've seen him do that. Like, and that's the thing. But like, but the real conversation is very much that we're real people. Yes. Right. Like we we have we're mission focused in promoting the betterment of the job and being mm -hmm. able to provide tools people education conversation that push this job forward but i can't do that 100 percent of the time i'm gonna right. have off days i'm gonna be down there are gonna be days that i need corley Moore to call me and pick me back up i'm like i'm a oh, yeah. fucking human man and that's how that works right on peaks but and I, valleys baby peaks and valleys for sure i've talked about it a lot talk to me about this bad boy right here the, the nine l's baby L's. <laughs> corley Moore, your published books you got more than one by the way i know yes. that Challenges, says, Jeremy, yeah. thank you for being an inspiration to so many, especially to me. Proud to call you my friend. Love you, my brother. Mutts don't scrap. Corley Moore. Right on. Honored to have this in my library. You know I'm not a big book reader. You've I've talked about that on your weekly scrap. I actually felt pretty stupid on your scrap when I was there because everybody gets what's the five books and all these people are listing books. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know. I don't know, uh, Superman comics. I like Calvin and Hobbes. Right? Like, Yeah, I love Calvin and Hobbes. But. I will say this. Um, I'm trying to do more of it. My my problem is, is reading for me is difficult. Um, yeah. And it's not, it's difficult because of, of I get bored when I read. But I'm a learner in different ways. And I've learned that. I, I, I do the audio books. Absolutely. Um, and so on. I still, to be honest, um, I still have to do yours. I haven't gotten to that yet. It's on my list. And actually the trip coming up, I have a lot of time available to me. I'm going to be on a 14 hour flight um, and so on. So I'm planning. Well, on I will that. say this on the, on the audio book of the nine L's just because yeah. uh, is I wanted it to be better than just me reading the book. I, I asked everybody, do I need to read the book or get a so, narrator? And that, so talk about it. Uh, no, I, I, is a, I don't do anything original. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm always stealing from other people, borrowing, whatever the kinder word is. But everybody said David Goggins had the best audio book with Can't Hurt Me, right? I read the book. I loved the book. And I never listened to the audio. So I asked people, why is David Goggins Can't Hurt Me so great? And they're like, the bonus content. 
And I'm like, what is the bonus content? He says, well, the narrator reads the chapter yeah. and then the narrator interviews David Goggins at the end of each chapter. Yes. And he, they go, it's phenomenal. It's better than the book. And I was like, oh, well then I'm going to steal that. And I'm going to do that for the nine L's. So on the nine L's at the end of each chapter, because of my network, because of the weekly scrap, I contacted <clears throat> 11 of the most awesome people in the fire service Love it. to do a bonus interview at the end of each chapter on that topic. And it, it's, so it's, you get the, you get the book and it's great. And I, I firmly believe in it. I'm proud of it. But then you get a chapter from like Frank Viscuso did the introduction and talked about, uh, you know, Frank Viscuso thing, step up and lead type principles. And uh, Rob Fisher did the chapter on listens. Chief Scott Thompson <clears throat> covered vision in the chapter on look. Uh, and you had like Ray McCormick come in and talk about labor. It's just, it's, it's, or lasting. Yeah. Last. Sorry. Sorry, Ray. Um, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. They, they, they gave up a 30 to 45 minute interview uh, to make the book better. So if you, if you're looking for something to, to listen to, it's better. If you've already read the book, the, the audio book is better because awesome. of those people. Sorry. No, not at all. I, I wanted <laughs> to ask you about it. I mean, this was um, a labor of love for you. Yes, very much so. I love writing. Writing is, I've been a writer since I was a teenager. I wrote a, a horrible, like, uh, sword and sorcery type fantasy book back when I was a teenager. And uh, luckily, you can't find it anywhere. But um, <laughs> I always loved writing. It's one of my passions, writing and teaching. I love the, you know, I, I hate talking in front of people, but I love sharing in front of people. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Like, it really gets my uh, anxiety up. I, whenever I have to speak in front of people, but I love doing it. So I don't know what that weird psychology of that is, but not the point. Um, I'm a highly introverted person, which I tell people that. And then they're, they're like, no, you're not. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't think you understand, but I am. Uh, yeah, but me, I'm not me shy. Too. <laughs> I do not believe that for a, for a second. Uh, All I, right. But uh, anyway, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I, listen, I'll be honest with you. I have my moments. There are moments that, um, there are moments that I have to have a conversation with myself like, all right, man, got to get up there and go do this. Let's, let's go like, you know, check it at the door, but I get very comfortable pretty quick. Um, I would say this, I'm very proud of you. I'm proud to call you a friend um, watching um, you use the word success. And I know you and I both hate that word, but right. it is, it's yeah. a, it's a level of success and it's built on the back of tremendous hard work. And I don't think people really understand everything that goes into it. Um, you know, you're now traveling and teaching and, and that's in direct correlation to you with the weekly scrap and it's a way, and then your book, obviously, right. The nine L's and like you have, cre you have created a, um, a channel of delivery in which promotes you and your mission. Um, I wish more people would understand that you and I yes. talked about it before, about the amount of work that goes into it that we need to give our stuff away, right? The fire service is built on bettering one another. And when we start becoming guarded on our information or we don't want to share or we feel that somebody needs to pay for my information, I think we lose. No, I, think I, think focus, right. I think the focus comes off the mission, comes off the fire service, and it's then it's all about yourself. Now, there is a fine balance because- oh, yeah. For us to take time away, for us to do what we do with the scrap you advertise with National Fire Radio, we advertise yeah. because it takes time away from everything else, and it is a job. And so we do oh, yeah, compensation on top. But I think the underlying mission matters more. 
Oh, hundred percent. One hundred. And I wish that more people understood. If you just, if you give, and and we do have great platforms. Me and you, we have great platforms to give our stuff away. But Some people it, don't have the platform, but, but they, you and they, I didn't. They hoard their knowledge. We they did hoard it. it. Yeah, we you're built, right. You, we had to build this thing from the trenches from day one. We didn't have zero followers, right? We no, all right. start the same. So you can't. It's not anyone else's fault but your own. It's we the love hustle that. and build. That's the quote. That's the quote from today. In fact, I posted it right before we went live. What I love it. Was it? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 right in. I believe it is. You will remain ineffective until you learn to say my fault. A person will remain yeah. ineffective until they learn to say my fault. Dude, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that, dude. But, but bro, that's that self-awareness. That's that accountability, mm -hmm. right? Like we're all created equal. What are you going to do with it? Right. It's up to you. It's nobody else's fault, man. It's nobody else's fault. The hard work and hustle that you've put in to build your show comes directly on the back of your blood, sweat, and tears that you put in, the passion you have. And what's really awesome about your story, and people should go back and listen to our previous episodes because there's a lot of background about you and I, right? When I did your scrap originally, when you yes. did my show originally, we talk about our upbringing. We talk about what our influences were and how we got to where we are. But you just said it again. 2016 is when you started to turn it around and started really dialing into the job and understanding that this thing could be really good for you just personally before even monetization, building a business or anything else. This is just... I want to do better and I'm going to go do better. And that no, was absolutely. only seven years ago, brother. No, you're right. It's crazy, man. It is crazy. And you, I'm blessed. I'm blessed and lucky. So I don't want to take it, but I do believe that hard work, you know, creates the opportunity. Um, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. That's the one I'm looking for. And so I'm very proud of the hard work that's gone into it. And so, yeah, I'm very proud of the scrap as you should be of the radio. You mentioned like sponsors, man. You know why people sponsor or, or why you have advertisers on National Fire Radio? It's because it's worth it. You reach a lot of firefighters, man. And if you have a product that you want to get in front of firefighters, there's a value there, man. There is a value there because you built that. And and um, yeah, it's yeah. So anyway, I could go on a rant. It's 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 nothing. One thing I don't like is I never want to take money from my friends. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because I have a good, a, a huge network. And they're like, hey, I want to advertise on the scrap. I'm like, hey, here's the deal. I'll just put your logo on the scrap because I want to make money from like big businesses that 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 have a advertising budget, not my buddy trying to get his leatherworking thing going, you know, or insert whatever. Anyway, that's a that's a side thing. Sorry. No, and that's so that is um that is certainly one of the challenges, right? As as we scale and grow, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, learning. Uh, yeah, and I'm a horrible businessman, you know, so a business side of things. I love doing this stuff. I love it. I'm infatuated with it. But anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I mean, to just circle back where, where, this, where this started was very much this. I'm very proud of what you've done. I'm proud to call you a friend. Um, I think that uh, what you're building and, and the relationships you're building and the friendships that you get to share with people, these are people that become your friends, They're your guests, the people that you speak with and travel with, they all become your friends. And you have a platform where you can share those relationships with other firefighters, which then what you and I hope for makes this job better. It pushes people to go make their own networks, make their own friends, step out of their own zip code, try something different, learn something new. 
right? And and that's all that all matters. And I think that that's what drives. I know that drives me. I'm pretty sure it drives you. Yeah. Um, congratulations, man. Truly, dude. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. I've every time I talk to you, man, I feel just like on cloud nine. What's next for you? Ah, uh, yeah, you got almost, any got any juicy tidbits that? Uh, I'm like. I, what do you I call them? The scr- oh, the vigilantes. Wait, the vigilantes. Yeah, yeah the vigilantes are awesome, man. Uh, secret no. handshake. You got everything. Yeah, I mean, this the is the real coin, the yeah. secret coin. Everything. That's what I'm I saying. Mean, it's the it's the it's the cool kids club is what we call it. Uh, but love- no, I love the. Uh, I started doing a thing recently with the vigilantes, and it's every week. Uh, or I say every week. It's very. Uh, it's not on a schedule. It is. I post a thing like post your questions on leadership, culture, motivation, effect, whatever. It doesn't matter. Pick anything. Ask me anything, basically. And then I go live and just field questions and talk to them. Just, yeah, just me, that. me and them. And it's awesome. It's so much. Uh, uh, that's where the new content is coming from that's is good. recording, recording those. And that's a lot of fun. Are you um, pushing those out yet? Are those out? Is that I'm just the, doing clips. No, they're, they're strictly those are the, the clips vigil- that you're doing. Yeah. I'm strictly the vigilante, uh, the, 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 the value, the, uh, Video is for the vigilantes to the interaction, and then I'm taking the highlights of the answers and ter- oh, turning you. turning awesome. them out as content. Yeah, short sure. short reels, shorts. You know the value. <laughs> the, I'll tell you, um, brother. I listen. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Um, it's fun to see how Amanda has become a big part of it. Um, you guys are empty nesters, so it's yes. Uh, you know, it's well, a and, way. Go yeah. ahead. No, her blast out, the blast out, which, you know, you know, you know, as well as I do that you get emails, messages, text messages, social media messages. Hey, this guy got hurt, cancer, uh, burnt up, line of duty, death, raffle. Uh, There's a conference going on. There's so many things. And and if I did them on the scrap, it would be 30 minutes of making announcements. That's right. And so we, we created the blast out, which she does about every two weeks. And she goes out and she announces all of those things. And, uh, and that's really cool. It's really picking up steam as far as people just sending her anything you want to get out to firefighters. She'll yeah, put the I love it. out. I absolutely so. love it. We actually, we have some things in the works too. That's going to be very similar. You and I've talked about that, a while yeah, back, yeah. but we got a bunch of things in the works as well, but it's just fun to watch you grow. It's fun to watch you, um, you know, scale it, it, it's, it's fun to watch. Cause I remember from day one and, um, oh yeah. And that, <laughs> that to me. That to me is what I think is important is I love watching those around me succeed. I love watching the weekly scrap grow. I love watching firehouse vigilance grow because it's just healthy. Like it's just, I watch you're doing better. You know, you're you and Amanda, you know, watching you guys get the travel like you are now doing conferences together, having her a part of the platform. Like, how freaking cool is that? And I notice those things. Like I see that happening and it's like, I'm happy for you. You know, I'm That's happy. Awesome. And I, I just believe that. Right. I, I think that that is that. And I know you're very much the same way. And I think people that do these things for the right reasons are in it because they want each other to succeed. Brother. I think that you are a beautiful soul. And I don't say that softly. <laughs> I don't say that cheesily. Um, this is what I'm really excited about. This could be the, it, this is the, this is a, this is on my phone, but it's a mock-up. If I can turn the right direction. Yeah. Broken tools. And it's Amanda and me writing this book on basically basically fire service relationships. And it's coming out uh, probably before the end of the year, if if everything goes good. So, uh, but no, you are a, since the first, you are a genuine person. That's the word I'm looking for. You are just genuine. And you talk about me being a hype person. I remember I got off the phone 
And this is, I don't know if I've told you this story. I don't believe I have. And so, but I got off the phone one of the very first times we ever talked and, and talked shop. It was, it was strictly to talk shop and get uh, technical information from a mentor who'd done way more than me already. You know what I'm saying? And because I was starting out, like you said, and I got off the phone and I, I talked to Amanda. I said, man, I'm going to make it my mission in life. Whenever someone talks to me on the phone that they feel as good as I feel right now, getting off the phone with Jeremy, right? I'm serious about this. Like that was a real conversation. I was like, he has a gift for making people feel good about themselves when they hang up the phone. And that that's something I've tried to emulate since that first conversation. So like I said, I don't do anything original. I just steal from people. I will say this. There's not many times that I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Um, I'm a little, I'm struggling right now. Dude, uh, so Barry, thank you for uh, sharing that. And that absolutely. is, um, wow. That's um, thank you. It's important to me. I, I think that we're all better when we pick each other up. I love it. And it shows. Cause like I said, that, the whole reason behind that, even though I did a terrible job of paying a compliment is, is genuine. You're genuine. You don't do it. You, you do it because you mean it, and that's why it matters. That's why it, that's why it hits. Well, and that's why I think we've had the success we've had. Authenticity matters. People, mm-hmm. people want, and this is this is the message that if anything comes from the show today, Corley, this is the message right here. Be yourself. Allow yeah. yourself to be yourself. Ooh. Let your guard down. Make yourself a little bit vulnerable and just be yourself, man. And the people will come. You don't need to be anything bigger and better than than you are. And that goes from the fire ground thinking you're better than you are, right? When you know deep down, when you when you lay down in your bunk or you lay down at home after a fire at the volunteer firehouse and you lay down and you know that you were full of shit on the fire ground, but you come off like I'm the I'm the best guy in the world, but you personally have that internal struggle that you know you suck, then you're bullshitting everyone. Yeah. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay not to be the this this grandioso guy with this big persona that you need to carry. And I had to learn this. That's why I think I am who I am today. It's because I was that asshole many, many, many years ago. And I hold myself accountable more than ever. And I'm still not perfect, man. I got a freaking long way to go. But the one thing I will do is I'll put it all out there now. I don't care. And I think people that believe in what we're doing at National Fire Radio, people that send me incredible messages, emails, um, DMs, all of it, right? I'm incredibly humbled by all of it. And I think it's because they they feel that authenticity coming through me. They know that I'm, I put myself out there, man. I open myself up for all the critics in the world. Do you know how many critics I have these days? I mean, my guess would be a very low number. Minus any anymore. That's what I was going to say. Like, right? Yeah. And no, the reason awesome. why is yeah. I've held the line from day one. And I've had plenty of hate pages. People start new pages, bus chops, like come after me. And I, and I chat and listen, I've even gone on social media and said, you want to come after me, come after me, brother. Because as much as I'm a genuine, nice guy who wants to build people up, I'll tear your fucking face off too. Right on. Got that shadow, baby. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it, bro. Thank you for an incredible compliment. Truly Um, means the world to me, but more so this conversation today, I needed this. Um, I need you in my life. Congratulations on all your success. The weekly scrap brought to you by Firehouse Vigilance. Corley Moore, his beautiful wife, Amanda, you guys are doing great things. I'm excited for the new book coming out. Guys, if you're not aware of the weekly scrap, which if you're not, you live under a rock, go check it out. We were supposed to talk about YouTube versus Facebook. We were supposed to talk about all these things. We never got there, but we're gonna, that just means we got to come back and do this again Absolutely. soon. 
Um, but congratulations, Corley. Where can they find you if people live under a rock? They just don't know about you or what your program is. Where can they find you, brother? Firehousevigilance.com, your one-stop shop, everything. Everything's there, book, store, podcast, all of it. You can find all our social media pages. We're on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. I think I, the only thing we're not on is TikTok, and it's just because I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I get it. <laughs> struggle is real. Well, man, I'll tell you, I'm watching, and uh, I'm, I love what I'm seeing. So keep up the hustle, pal, and uh, congratulations on all that success and the continued success and relationships that continue to come from what you're doing. Keep staying in love with the job, pal. matters. Thank you so much for having me on, brother. Honored to be on National Fire Radio. Honored to call you a friend. Cool, man. Thank you. Corley Moore, everyone. Thank you. Guys, hang on one sec. Corley, or you hang on one sec. I'm going to sign off the podcast. Come right back. Guys, thank you. An incredible conversation with a very good friend. Somebody that challenges me every day to do better than I do the day before. I watch his content. I watch his show. I see the relationships he's making and the contribution he's making to the fire service. And it makes me want to do better. We all need somebody in our lives that challenge us. Corley Moore is one of the guys that challenges me. Check out his book, The Nine L's, Key Concepts for Building a High-Performance Culture, right here on the screen. Check it out. Like you said, you can find him at firehousevigils.com. Guys, thank you for tuning in. And like I always say at the end of every podcast, take this conversation, take it back to the firehouse and talk about it because when we're talking about the job, we're making the job better. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.